Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Guys, and welcome to episode number four of the Danny Button MMA Show, only on Ace Podcast Nation. I'm your host, Sai. Here at Ace Podcast Nation, we've got all sorts of shows, from anything from combat sports to football to mental health. I recently had a, an interview with uh, the author of controversial book, The Killing of Emiliano Sala, uh, which I released in three parts over the weekend. Uh, the video version and the audio version will be out uh, Monday of this week, so that's Monday the 20th. Um, it's really, really interesting. Obviously, you know, everyone is well familiar with uh, the death of the footballer Emiliano Salah, but uh, what some people won't have realised is some of the controversy behind the scenes and some of the things which uh, were involved in his travel and uh, the subsequent investigation afterwards uh, so it was very interesting to speak to this uh, author uh, author whose name is Harry Harris he's a, a top investigative journalist and author he's worked with the Telegraph and many other newspapers uh, exposing corruption and he's written autobiographies uh, for Glenn Hoddle uh, he's written a book on Pele uh, he's a very successful journalist uh, he spent his week last week on national radio actually doing the rounds promoting his book for sort of 10 minutes here and there. Uh, and then Friday morning, he gave me nearly two hours of his time for a, a, a long interview. And uh, I'm very grateful for that, for, you know, for someone of his stature. Uh, and obviously he's been on TalkSport and LoveSport and all these different radio stations. And then to come on, you know, a small channel, which is, you know, growing rapidly, but I'm still grateful and pleased and, and proud to have him on. I feel like I, I asked the questions that people wanted to, to, to ask him particularly about you know the title of the book being a bit a bit brutal uh, he explained and uh, it was very interesting so I released uh, the three parts of the interview over the weekend and uh, the audio version is out as well now as this show goes out uh, you can find all our shows in fact uh, video versions at youtube.com slash ace podcast nation if you could subscribe and click the bell to that that'd be 
eternally grateful. That's the best way to support us um, as we try to get up to the thousand subscriber mark so we can try and make some pennies uh, from doing these shows. But uh, that's not the aim. You know, that is the aim, but that's not the reason we do it. We do it for the love. Uh, audio versions, iHeartRadio, uh, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you know, all those good stuff. Check out the weekly football show every Wednesday, the Andy Campbell Championship Show, which is a lot of fun. And uh, we've also got uh, something special coming up shortly, which we'll be uh, I'll talk about in a minute. But uh, in, before that, I'd like to introduce the, uh, the the man of the hour, the man for the expert analysis, former Cage <laughs> Warriors featherweight champion of the world, and uh, top man all round, Mr. Danny Batten. <laughs> Welcome, my friend. How are you? Hello, Sly. Good to be back again. Indeed. And uh, it's uh, what, a, what a show to start 2020. Woof. Yes, uh, it's been a good one. I enjoyed the prelims as well. I know it's not what you normally talk about, but there was really good prelims fights as well. I like to watch those to see if uh, you know, any of these up-and-coming talents that I think are going to be of note for the future. Uh, they're always yeah. good to be out for. Yeah, yeah, it's always, I always, I, do you know what, I usually do watch them, I just have been all over the place today, so I kind of watched yeah. the main card, and I will, you know, I'll probably go back to the prelims tomorrow, because I've heard they're pretty good, uh, yeah, I've read about and stuff. Mm. Um, obviously, the, the news broke this week that uh, someone from your gym uh, has recently signed for uh, the UFC, uh, Modestus, who is the current Cage Warriors light heavyweight champion, I think. Is That's it? right, the light heavyweight world champion for Cage Warriors. Um, no, yeah, I'm not going to do him belt. the disservice of trying to pronounce his surname. I will get it right. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not really good with names either. <laughs> so we'll, we'll go with Modestus. Uh, yeah. he's, uh, he's agreed, fresh off his USFC sign-in, to come and uh, do a, an episode of Unscripted Uncensored with us. Uh, there's yeah, post- that'll be a good one. It'll be, I'm really, really looking forward to it. Obviously, it's, you know, it's another another top British fighter for us to, uh, yep. to have on the show. We've had Tom Mearns, we've had Jack Shaw, we've had Brett Johns, we've had yourself, we've had Lee Remedios, uh, we've had boxers and fallen. I always love doing the end of One doesn't involve any preparation for me beforehand, looking into people's kind of career and stats and what I want to ask them. It's just hands of people and they ask what they and it can go wherever it goes. But um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, it's posted on my on the podcast Facebook page and the uh, page for the podcast. They're both pinned, so you can send in your questions. Talk doesn't have to be questioning; it could be talking to whatever you want to talk about, or what to talk about what you want to hear Modestus's views on. Uh, and you can also send them to our email address, which is on there, and DMs. And you know, send them anywhere you want, and send as many as you want. You're not limited to one question or anything like that. We want the more the better. Um, so just before we get into uh, Modestus's signing with the UFC, I just wanted to do, uh, thank our sponsors for today. Today's show is uh, brought to you by Away Day Apparel, which I'm modelling another T-shirt from them. Uh, Away Day Apparel is a group of uh, casually obsessed football fans looking to bring something different to the wardrobes of like-minded people. Please visit their website, awaydayapparel.co.uk. Uh, the links will be in the description. I highly recommend that you give them a follow on Twitter. Away at Away Day Apparel and uh, Instagram as well, particularly at Away Day underscore Apparel. 2020 is going to be a very big year for them. Uh, some very interesting, exciting stuff coming, which I've had a little sneak peek of uh, some of the stuff, and it's uh, it's quite quite nice. Uh, and also, as a special treat, just for listeners and uh, viewers of Ace Podcast Nation, you can have uh, 10% off all orders if you use the code. 
AA Podcast Nation. Uh, it's case sensitive, so all lowercase, and that's AA Podcast Nation for 10% off all your orders for Away Day Apparel. Thank you very much to them for sponsoring the show. And thank you for the numerous t-shirts which they gave me the other day, which was pretty awesome. So I've got like a different one for every day. Uh, so Modestas signed with the UFC. Yes. Um, I don't think it was a massive uh, shock to anyone who follows you know, MMA. It, it seemed like the next logical step for him. But um, you must be, you know, you must be a proud guy. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. You know, the first fighter that I've had big influences on, um, you know, to help someone get to the UFC. I've had people obviously numerous times get into Bellator, which is one of the biggest shows in the world. But we have everyone wants to have dealings with the UFC. So I can finally say, you know, I'm going to get one of uh, my guys to have dealings with the UFC. So this is great. It's, it's brilliant news. So happy. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy because he is one of uh, one of MMA's nice guys. Uh, it's not a bad bone in his body, which can be surprising when you watch how he fights because he's all aggression. Yeah, but, he's, um, a, he's an absolute killer in the ring, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, in the octagon. And I just, like when I spoke to him, I was surprised at how like laid back and quite cool he was. But mm-hmm. put him in the octagon. What, what will happen with the Cage Warriors uh, championship now? Because obviously he's current light heavyweight champion. Yeah. I, well, you know, he's signed with the UFC and they're not going to allow him to fight for any other promotion. Um, so this potentially can go on for a good number of years. So he'll have to vacate that title. Um, it'll go up for grabs someone else. But, you know, it, it opens it up for some other young lads that, you know, will eventually follow in his footsteps and many of the other Cage Warriors footsteps. I think he was the 64th um, fighter to go from Cage Warriors onto UFC. Um, so there'd be many more. It just opens a gateway for him. Yeah, I think, um, sorry, I got distracted there because someone else has just sent another question in. These people, they send them in late. It's 10 to 10 <laughs> on Sunday. I said I was recording at nine and the people are still sending these questions to me. But I'll let them off because it's my friend. Uh, but I'll tell you what, I'll ask this question now because it kind of relates to what we're talking about. Uh, he asks, uh, is there anyone in particular in the BST gym who could follow in the footsteps of Modestus and, and Tom Mearns uh, and potentially yeah. go to those, you know, those big companies anytime soon. Yeah. Okay. Well, Tom Mearns is already in a big company. Yeah. Being that that's Bellator. So right now, you know, he's got dealings with those, uh, with them. Um, so to say anything about UFC would be, you know, no, no, no. I think um, what he means is, is there, is there anyone other than those two who are obviously in the big company? Yeah. Um, I, I think the next one to shine through will uh, be Jordan. Jordan Babichin. Uh, oh, that name. How have you pronounced yeah, his I, I, name? <laughs> um, yeah, Jordan. I think, you know, he, he's in the case for his promotion. Yes. And, um, yeah, I think he can make big waves. Um, well, what weight is he in? He's in featherweight. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he has Warriors, by the way. Yeah, it's a stacked division. division isn't it? Oof. It, it, it is, but this kid's um, a real talent. He really is. Um, he's an absolute joy to watch train. This kid's enthusiastic. He's smart. He's fit. He's healthy all the time. Um, got a good head on his shoulders. Um, and he listens, which is a godsend for any coach. He really listens, yeah. takes it all, all on board. I mean, he, he probably does... Uh, Rise his eyes above his head when he walks away. Sometimes when I um, when I have a chat with him, but he seems to take everything on board. He, he adapts, he changes, and he keeps evolving all the time. 
and not many times do I see people spar and have my eyebrows raised and I'm like, wow, you know, this kid's improving quick. Um, yeah, yeah, he, he's a talent. I think he could be the next one. What's his, doubt it. No, what's, uh, what's his current re- professional record? Uh, I think he's something like five and one, six and one, something along those lines now. Wow. I, I, I tell you who he should fight without having, you know, with, without thinking about it any in the last 30 seconds is him and Oban. Uh, Elliot would be a good fight, I think. Yeah, because Oban's three and zero in Cage Warriors, uh, right. he's out, and he's actually undefeated in other combat sports as well. But sure, I think that could be a good fight. And uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. yeah, there you go. That's my matchmaking. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it may well happen. Yeah, but, we wouldn't uh, turn our nose up at that. You know, that, he's he's ready to face anyone pretty much. That featherweight division is stacked. I mean, it's stacked Absolutely. in the UFC. But in Cage Warriors, you've got, you know, you've got Paddy, you've got Jordan, you've got Oban. Um, and there's a load of others, which my mind's just yes. gone blank. But it is yeah. a very stacked division. Obviously, you've got the champ as well. Um, what's his name? Oh, that's going to annoy me. Um, who's the Cage Warriors featherweight champion? I was trying to get him on the other day, so I know who it is. <laughs> um but yeah, Jordan's another one who's on my uh, my list of people who I'd like to get on the podcast because uh, I wasn't massively familiar with him mm. uh, until obviously I started speaking to you when we were doing the shows and sure. and I was talking to you, you know, on and off air about you know different fighters at your gym and and whatnot. Yeah. And uh, I saw some clips of him. Uh, I haven't been able to watch like a full fight you know, on the day or, 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 right. or on the weekend. So I'm looking forward to when he has his kind of next fight. Yeah. Um, so I can, you know, really watch it and watch the whole show and, and yeah. get a feel for him because, uh, cause Tom, as Tom, when I had Tom Moons on, uh, he was said exact, pretty much exactly what you just said that, yeah. uh, you know, he's a, a top prospect. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is. And so young as well. I think 22 years old, something like that. that it's really young. It's See, so young. So him young. and, uh, him and Oban, that would be a, you know they're both young, both yeah. hungry. Want to make yeah. that kind of next step, uh, step up. So uh, uh, Mads Burnell is the featherweight champion, I believe. Right, but I could be wrong. Um, I was trying to. Th- Do you know what? When you type in like uh, like I say UFC featherweight division, you can pull up the rankings. Yeah. Instantly, but right. with Cage Warriors. It's, it's a little tricky. Yeah, I know. I tried they to do to it. Sort, sort their website out, man, to make <laughs> it, it a bit not, easier. It, it's not easy. I tried to do the same, but couldn't do it. Because <laughs> you know, when you do, especially when we're doing these shows, I want to quickly, you know, as we're talking, pull up some. some yeah, and I'm terrible with names. I mean, I struggle with my own fighters' names when I'm trying to pull them up out of my head. I'm terrible for names. Well, the problem I've got is I've been trying to message people and get them obviously trying to get guests all the time but particularly with fighters i've been really messaging i've got i think i've got about 15 different conversations going on at the moment on linkedin or twitter or facebook and stuff where i'm trying to plan you know i want to i never want to be in a position where i'm scrambling for guests you know when i want to do a show so i'm trying to plan ahead which is unusual for me in itself um, yeah. So I'm having all these conversations, but I get confused then with names and my mind goes blank. But yeah, so I'm going to Oban and Jordan. That's the fight I want to see, Danny. Make it happen. Yes, yes. Let's, let's push for something like that. I, I'm happy. You're, like, like you say, it's a, such a stacked division. Yeah, um, it is. There's so many people that are pushing for a real good fight, and um, I'll be happy to see him fight any of those guys. 
Yeah, and I think I think when they when you're as young as him and in you know indeed uh, Oban as well is when you're that young, it's just about getting wins uh, yeah. and your belt and 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 improving your you know your skills. Yeah. Um, but I tell you what, you tell Jordan, and I'll t- I'll text Oban and we'll just turn them against each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's let's do some stirring, shall we? Yeah, get it. <laughs> Before you know it, they'll be they'll be throwing dollies through windows. <laughs> But uh, well, speaking of uh, dollies through windows, uh, we had uh, the returning Conor McGregor tonight. What did you think of the of the show overall? Without you know, we'll talk about yeah. it. But, but, yeah, uh, yeah, I I really enjoyed the show. I mean, we was kind of spoilt with the previous one that we spoke about. I mean, that that, that was yeah, the previous two real really, isn't there. it? Yeah, that was a real up there one. But yeah, I wasn't disappointed. Um, I really enjoyed everything that I saw, and I I, I was not disappointed with the result. Um, that, that we know about, what we get to talk about. Uh, it, it, was, it was a good show. I'm, I'm happy with it all round. Yeah, well, as I said to you before, we uh, started off, uh, um, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of grappling and uh, jujitsu and, and submissions. There wasn't too many knockouts on the main card. No. But I, other than I think one, maybe two fights, I thought mm-hmm. the fights were quite exciting. Um, yeah. We have been spoiled. Obviously, the last, uh, UFC, UFC 245 the card was ridiculous it was yes. like every fight was like almost like potential main oh, event of other, yeah, card, yeah. Other, other shows And he, but in terms of quality of the fights the last two cards uh, UFC 244 and 245 have been outstanding yeah they have been I didn't think this one was as good but the return of Conor McGregor kind of knocks yeah, it up I, a bit in your, in your I think the I think they did it. it this. I think they did it this way not to dilute any of the attention. They they wanted it to be all about that that fight. Um, and so you know, I think maybe that's why they did it this way. Possibly. I mean, they can't keep on putting you know just the top two, three, no, four fighters against each other all the time, um, all in one event. So I think they it was a good call to do it the way they've done it. Yeah, my uh, my friend who lives in America said that. Uh, he's never seen anything like it in terms of promotion, particularly mm. ESPN. It was like right. every every advert, every day, every 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 show almost on ESPN. Even shows which weren't related yeah. to combat sports were. Oh, this Saturday, this Saturday, Conor McGregor's return. Conor McGregor's return. It was all over yeah. the shops and everything. Um, so I think they will do big numbers. Um, yes. I know they did. <clears throat> something like 10 million Google searches last night, wow. people searching for either McGregor or UFC 245. Sure. And when you, when you think of that in a number, you know, yeah, that's, that's that incredible. incredible. And I always think like whatever the, the UFC is in this unique position where, you know, a few years ago, they'd have been looking at the pay-per-view number, you know, is it this much? Is it going to break the records? Is it this? Mm. But they've got this weird deal with ESPN where the pay-per-view is exclusively on ESPN streaming services. So yeah. in some ways, it makes no difference to the UFC how many people bought the pay-per-view right. because they've already been paid for it by, yes. you know, from this deal. But obviously mm. ESPN's point of view, you know, they need people to, to buy it to make that deal worthwhile. Right. Um, but going by the numbers which have been banded around you know, for Google searches, and I think the gate was something ridiculous as well. Uh, I think I'm sure. Uh, what did Dana say the gate was? It was it was a lot more than I thought it would be. There was I think there was nineteen thousand people there. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, Conor McGregor is the pay per view king. Uh, you know, that's there's no doubt in that. Uh, whether sure. he wins or he loses, people watch him fight. Yeah, I'm not um, too sure whether that, you know it's a case of people want to watch him to watch him lose, or whether they watch him because of his incredible knockout ratio. Or it's hard to know why they're watching him. But the guy brings a lot of attention to the sport, and that's only but a good thing. And that's why I'm such a huge fan of him. Um, not always been a fan of his antics, but uh, I'm glad to see him back. I really am big fan. He um, he's captivating character, isn't he? Um, yeah, absolutely. And he's you know in he's and out he's of the cage. Matured. Yeah, I mean, before he had this ruthless abandonment of, of, of things he would say about his opponents, and you know, this time he was a little bit more reserved, you know, more respectful, almost uh, more mature. So more, yeah, I was going to ask you about that. It, I find it interesting. <clears throat> so my personal opinion is that the reason he was like that is because he likes uh, Cowboy Cerrone, yeah. um, and he respects him, and he, you know, he thinks he's a, a good guy and he's a family man and that. Yeah. Um, I think, <clears throat> for instance, if they end up doing Khabib rematch next, I think you'll see that ruthless side. Yeah. <clears throat> so they, <clears throat> Sorry. However, I will say the Conor McGregor that we saw in the Octagon, which we'll discuss in a bit, uh, that's the Conor McGregor that I wanted to see in the Octagon versus Khabib. And we didn't yeah. see that, so no, we didn't. Yeah, and whether aspect to it. whether we're, you know we could look at that as excuses for him losing or not. Yes, we won't know unless that match happens again. But it doesn't, you know, it doesn't tickle my fancy to to want to rush to see it again. I'd like to see him fight other people, re-legitimize himself in a more solid way, and then maybe you know we could talk about that Khabib and Connor rematch again. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I kind of agree. I don't really want them to go down that route yet. Yeah, you know, I don't think Khabib s- wants it. <clears throat> I don't think even Khabib wants it right now. You know, we say that he's got to beat Ferguson as well. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think it's pointless to talk about because I, I think uh, you know Ferguson certainly stylistically is much more um, dangerous, much more proving for Khabib than than Connor. He's already been there and done it with Connor. Um, of course, it'd be great to see it again at some point, but uh, this this Ferguson and Khabib matchup is excellent. Ah, oh, it's really really good. Ferguson's not like any other fighter in so many ways as well. Yeah. Um, so the gate was nineteen thousand and forty. The wow. uh, sorry, the, that's how many fans were there. The gate they took eleven million dollars. My God, that is yeah. eleven million dollars. I know we're going to try and read that figure, but more than $11 million. Um, That is unbelievable. And, you you know, you can see why they want McGregor fit and fighting because, you know, no other fighter does those numbers. Not one other fighter in the world at the moment does those Mm -hmm. numbers. Maybe, maybe John Jones, um, you know, would do this, these sorts of, you know, numbers with pay-per-views and and gate and everything in between. I think the the unique thing with Connor, I think you both get the fans that are fans of him, and like yes. I say, I think there's a lot of other people showing interest because uh, you know a lot of people don't like him, so yeah. they want to see yeah. him shut he, up, he, or they want to see what he yeah, did. yeah. But it, you know, either or way, in terms of UFC, in terms of attention for the sport of MMA, it's a good thing. Absolutely. Um, okay, so let's uh, let's move on to the card. Um, 
as I say, I didn't really watch the prelims yet. Um, what was? Did you have anything you wanted to say about the prelims or anything? Okay, uh, on the prelims, yeah. Let me just make sure I get these names right. I really enjoyed uh, watching that Kamor uh, versus uh, Ledet. Um, Ledet's, you know, experienced experienced fighter, but this this young lad, um, although it wasn't the the best technical fight in the world, um, you know, he really he really give it his all in there, and I I, I give it to that Kamor just for his tenacity in there, and um, you know, he caused an upset there. Uh, I didn't expect Ledet to to lose. Um, that wasn't the only upset either, was it? On the uh, on the the prelims, no, there, there was a few upsets. Um, I really enjoyed watching uh, Tim Elliott and um, Askar Askarov. Uh, Askarov looked devastating. I mean, uh, I know they're super light these guys, so normally you don't see outright power, but that guy had power in his hands. Um, but Tim Elliott, wow, um, that's a fight that I, I suggest for you to really have a watch. Um, he started nailing these big throws, and I mean big throws. He, he had the guy's feet right up in the air <laughs> on more than one occasion. He was catching him with huge throws. But for some reason, he was beginning to take over the fight this Tim Elliott. But in the final round, um, he was just spent all his time taunting and putting his arms down, trying to slip the shots or receiving the shots and smiling for the whole five minutes and, and just let That's the fight hard. go. Because it was one round apiece. Um, uh, Tim Elliott won the second round. Um, Asuka won the first round. Um, and literally, Tim Elliott just played the third round to a loss. And I really felt like if he just done another one of his takedowns or, or throws, um, he could have nailed the, uh, nailed the win. Bizarre. I think really bizarre. That's where, <clears throat> that's where like a coach has got to scream from the sidelines and tell him, you know, yeah. like outright, you need to push it or you need to go for it. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's a bit of a weird one, really, isn't it? Like it was. To, to 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 fight it out like that. But I mean, you know, in the heat of the moment, maybe. Do you think? Do you think he thought that he was winning? You know, he was up and he was comfortably winning, or? Yeah, yeah. I th- has he made I, an error I, with that side of it? I guess he got comfortable, and and um, you know, Asuka lost his his power in the third round. I think he he began to get tired, and the punches were no because he get Tim Elliott get get rocked really badly in the first round. And um, yeah. you know, could have been over so easily, but um, he got through it and lost that first round, and then come on well strong in the second round. And I just think once he felt the power w- was uh, coming away from his opponent, he started getting confident to stand in front of him. But standing in front and you, when you're still getting hit and tagged, although that's not hurting you anymore, they're scoring. Um, yeah, it was a really strange thing to see. I was left baffled. His, his cornerman and his team must have been. Livid with him, livid with him. Got to be, haven't they? They must have been Um, really pissed off. Yeah, and another one of the prelims that I really enjoyed was that uh, Drew uh, Dober. I think I pronounced his name right. He thought that. Oh, this is a really hard name to. uh, Nash Rap Harper. He was the big favourite, and uh, Drew Dober was a surprising big underdog. I was surprised how big an underdog that they put him in at, but he he ran through this guy. Um, a, a, A real. Real turn up. I, I'm quite excited about seeing this kid, you know, step up a little bit and seeing how he performs. Um, really, really tidy technically. Yeah. So yeah, he's one to look out for. Yeah, Drew Dober uh, was one of the ones who earned uh, the fifty thousand dollar bonus as well. So oh, he had, did he? You know, okay, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So he had a bonus. Um, it was five given out, and the rest were off the main card. Right. But, I mean, 
you know, he was obviously a big underdog, wasn't he? So I mean, to yeah, put, in, yeah. put in a performance like that is. But someone so solid like that, I'm surprised that they had him as such a huge underdog. It kind of left me wondering a little bit. But um, he's so tidy in the pocket, and the other lad was just you know going at it. That was really throwing leather from the get go. But the tidy technical um, stand up of uh, Dover really showed through. He stayed a little tighter. Nothing got through on him, and he got through on the other lad, and um, very quickly dismantled him. Impressive, yeah. Good stuff. Um, yeah. And then. Obviously, uh, you had the, the, the women's fight was the main event of the prelims, uh, which was a big shock because uh, Macy Barber, who was yeah. being hotly touted as the, you know, the next big thing for women's yeah. MMA. Yeah, yeah. Well, she was unbeaten, right? Is, uh, yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, she was 8-0, eight, eight so. I think it was. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think anyone expected it to be like that. But the other, uh, the other girl, uh, Roxy, she's really experienced. You know, have had a lot of fights, um, and that experience showed through. Really, that's the only thing you could be left um, thinking that that's what's happened. She had a lot of game to give. She she was even landing the strikes. That's the thing. She landed strikes. She got the takedowns. Controlled a lot of the ground aspects. Um, definitely, you needs to work on her mount control. Um, yeah. She went mount in the first round, didn't she? And uh, got overturned right in the last part of the uh, first round. But the cornermen were calling for mount position even though she had half guard, I think that was unnecessary. I think she stood a better chance of ground and pounding from the half guard top position, but she kept going for that mount and kept losing that top position. Um, that was the only mistake that I saw in a game that was, you know, a little worrying that she kept going back to. Um, yeah. But yeah, absolutely impressive. Well, well done, Roxy, because uh, yeah, you know, that was a good scalp to take. Yeah, definitely. And I think I've never seen uh, a doctor be called in uh, to look at someone's knee before um, that was a first for me, but yeah, um, normally it's cuts, isn't it, and yeah. things like that. But she, yeah, she did grab at her knee. It was an uppercut, I believe, that she got caught with, and it, and her knee snagged, and she held at it when she went down and kind of limped back to her corner. But it goes, uh, you know, the doctor's got to do what the doctor's supposed to do. If they see someone's dizzy or dazed or got a heavy cut, they have to go in and check it. You know, obviously they're there to protect the fighters, um, and they went in to inspect the knee to see whether she's she's fit to carry on. Yeah, I think when someone grabs their knee and kind of puts weight on it the way she did, yeah, yeah. you know, you're thinking she's done something, whether it's a break mm. or, or you know, like your anterior ligaments, that sort of sure. thing. Yeah. Um, she did finish the fight and she lost in the decision, I think, wasn't yeah. it? Um, yeah. But obviously, we'll have to wait and see. I've been looking to see if there's any news on, uh, you know, what, she, what she's done, but there doesn't seem to be any official confirmation yet. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> uh, yeah. So, that's uh, yeah, but that's uh, unusual to see uh, uh, you know a journeyman female fighter come through so convincingly against someone that was unbeaten. So, yeah. When did maybe. the uh, when did the injury uh, happen? Was that late on in the fight? Or yeah, it's, it was. Um, yeah, it, well, it happened early on, but she got taken down, so she was fighting off her back, so you couldn't see any kind of issue yeah. thereafter. But you know, clearly there was an issue when she stood up. You know, she kind of limped a little bit and, and didn't look quite right on her on her foot. She might have just twinged it, and you know, I, I've had it before in training. Even now, my, you know, my knees are kind of shot. Um, it's more of a sensation more than it is a pain. You just yeah. you feel it twist out. Mm, you know, I just hope she's okay. Let's see her fight on. Uh, see how she gets on in the next fight. So I'm sure we'll hear something about it more in in the. Well, yeah. Days. I mean, let's be honest. Um, because it was her first. Uh, 
first professional loss is mm-hmm. if you know if she has done something um, like long term, whether it's a break or uh, you know ligaments or something, yeah. her her team will have it out straight away yeah. because sure. they will want it known. You know she lost because of this. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I, I just saw someone. Uh, this, oh, it's the sun. So, yeah, you know, <laughs> it says that it, uh, she tore her ACL um, right about halfway through the fight. Yeah, so I mean, I'm, I think big bad knee break. or good knee. The way the fight was going, she's she was obviously lose, got yeah. some some technical issues need working on. Yeah. She got exposed a little bit. You know, she really did. Albeit that she was up against someone who's full of experience, which is, is partly what led to the fact that she lost. Um, yeah. You know, she has to go back and, and have a look at the way she trains and, and put a lot of wrongs right because it wasn't a great performance. It wasn't an expected performance. Um, and there can only but be disappointment. And on top of that, getting an injury as well. But I think even if she didn't injure her knee with that, uh, with that punch, I think the fight was going to go that way anyway. Yeah, fair enough. I, uh, I'm going to watch all the prelims, but um, that sounds about... Yeah. Well, yeah, I, good prelims. Know, yeah, good prelims. They sound, uh, they sound definitely worth a watch. Anyway, you know, sometimes the prelims can be yeah. exactly that. You know, they can be prelims or they can be not very good. But for everything I've read and from what you've yeah. just said, they seem yeah. worth a watch. Yeah. And uh, that's Sadiq yeah, Yusuf. He, it was, well, he was on the prelims, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that was a, another cracking fight to watch. Um, uh, Yusuf, he always comes in quite a, quite a big guy, doesn't he? Mm. And, and that filly's really quite slender. Um, but Yusuf was sh- showing incredible power. He, he really did, but really gassed it. He really ch- totally different person in the third round. Um, so obviously cutting a lot of weight. Uh, it'd be interesting, you know, how how will he fare against um, someone who can match him with a bit of power and got a bit of cardio on him with a five round fight. So, yeah, there's some questions to be asked. Although he pulled off the win, there were some questions to be asked about that performance regards what happened in that third round. Maybe he just thought he was so far ahead and coasted. Um, we could give him credit for doing that. But yeah. That's another real great fight to watch. Yeah, and it's, uh, this is the problem with, uh, with weight cutting, isn't it? It's the, the yeah. possibility of, particularly later on in the fights, they get a bit fatigued. Yeah. I mean, I could be barking up the wrong tree. Uh, with the reasons why you know he backed off from putting the pressure on, um, yeah. Because he, you know, when he did throw, he still threw with power, but um, he did allow Philly to come onto him. But that Philly impressed me. Yeah, you know, he impressed me too. Um, you know, we certainly should be seeing that kid again do well. Um, yeah, great, cool. great prelim card. So uh, first fight on the main card was uh, Anthony Pettis versus Diego Ferreira. Yes. Um, so. A lot of people didn't like this fight for various reasons. I enjoyed watching it, uh, but I was disappointed with Pettis' performance. I was yeah. expecting more. Yeah. Um, well, Ferreira, first of all, come out a bit unexpected. Keep lifting his league leg as he went in. Um, that was a little bit odd. Um, it wasn't what I was expecting from him. There, must, there may have been a reason why. Maybe he got an injury in training or just didn't like the idea or thought his league leg was going to be targeted by Pettis because Pettis kicks good. Um, yeah, so that was a little bit strange, but it didn't seem to you know, um, go against him lifting his leg no. like that and getting in. Um, uh, an error I saw in Pettis's game, which was showing up by Nate Diaz when they fought, was the fact that he gave up his back a lot against the fence. 
Uh, Ferreira's yeah. getting to his back way too frequently. And um, whether he's just comfortable being there, which is not a good idea because you're not going to be winning while someone's on your back, or uh, there's an issue that ain't been put right in his training, but th- there's obviously some clinch issues um, going on technically there because this has become a bit of a habit. He just give his back up way too much against the fence. He's not overwrapping the arm properly. Um, yeah, that, 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 that's not good for a guy of that calibre to be doing that kind of mistake, not only in one fight, but yet another fight. Yeah, that's the type of mistake where when you see it in one fight, you don't expect to see it again because no. you'd expect it to be picked up and adapted because because it yeah. can be you know so problematic and it could cause yeah. uh, you know major issues in in a fight. Yeah, um, to you know put yourself in that position so easily. Yeah, because um, there's other other aspects of his game. He, he was um, throwing some lovely high kicks. Um, he was uh, standing in southpaw stance, as we see him so often do, although he fights well both ways. But he was throwing his lead right really, really nicely. He had a really lovely um, straight left cross. Um, Striking-wise, it was looking really, really great. But that one major flaw in his clinch game, giving up that back, really led to his demise. And, um, yeah, uh, he's got to start putting that right because that's going to get noticed by fighters and they're going to be targeting for that position with him, um, knowing that, that's something that could be exposed in his game. So, yeah, I'd be certainly interested to see him fight and how he'll fight the next time around, whether he put that wrong right. Yeah, the end, at the end of the first round, um, <clears throat> uh, Ferreira kind of grabs Pettis and he gets him back up against the cage wall again. Yeah. Uh, he, for, he nailed him with a few strikes in the clinch. Then yeah. they separated. And then that's when uh, Ferreira nailed him with the, you know, a multi, kind of multi-punch combination or a few yeah. punches and Ferreira scored a takedown and he just immediately got side control and mm. and uh, and Pettis looked in trouble uh, and then Ferreira kind of just postured up but he was kicking his legs as yeah. the round ends. Yeah. And then obviously the second round begins with the, the takedown on Pettis. Uh, he gets back control relatively comfortably really. Um, yes. Pettis did scramble and he uh, tried to kind of get out, but uh, Ferreira kept the top control and then Ferreira scrambled and uh, he regained the back control again on yeah. Pettis. So like, yeah. And then he beat him with the rear naked choke for the tap out. So sure. And that, that ended one, one minute and 46 into round two. Mm. So you're talking six, six minutes, 46 yeah. seconds. And yeah. I think he had his back... Uh, to Ferreira at least three, maybe four times yeah. in that short. Uh, that absolutely should. And that calibre of grappler as well. <laughs> yeah. But can you imagine... Good could you imagine him giving, you know, that... Your backup to, you know, people like uh, Damian Meyer. And, oh, yeah. Uh, they'd have you out in once, seconds. But, yeah. It's just not a good idea. Yeah. It, like I say, absolutely baffling for me. Um, to see that calibre of guy. But obviously, there's something missing regards his technical aspects and training, his fight team awareness. Um, but like I say, it goes back to you know, when I say Jordan listens well. You know, when he makes mistakes in fights, and uh, you know, I tell him about it, he's harassing me for, you know, how do we get around this? What do we do? You know, he wants to put it right. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he's very aware of his mistakes. Surely his team would have made him aware that he was... Not good in, not very effective in the clinch when he ran up against Nate. Um, you know, giving up the back, but yeah, he just went and done it again. 
and yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's a shame uh, because he's he's better than that. He really is better than that. He's he's talented in in many areas of MMA, but you have one major fault in one area, it goes to show. You get found out and you don't put it right, you get put out again and again. You know, he's got to be careful. Yeah, you know, at the top level, uh, fighters don't need more than one uh, kind of chink in your armour or one mm-hmm. error, you know, in that, in, during a fight. You only need to yeah. make that one little error. And sometimes, particularly when you fight, you know, like the very high-level grapplers or strikers or whatever mm-hmm. you know that it could be a very small error which can be your demise but to me this is yeah. quite a big yeah this is a know, big, these are big errors absolutely yeah um yeah real rookie mistakes mm. um and he's not he's uh, not you know he's not a rookie is he, he shouldn't be making those mistakes no his, no absolutely shouldn't be no shouldn't be um hugely experienced guy but you notice as well Ferreira when he stood up he limped away i think mm. um i think it was done with that last submission he had a really unusual position where it's like um, Pettis was on his side, wasn't he? And he had his mm-hmm. leg completely underneath and he had his foot hooked up onto the inside of Pettis's leg. And I think the, his hip motion down to, to try and yeah. pin the position as he choked him and the weight of Pettis, I think it put a, a lot of pressure on his leg. So, yeah, okay. he may, have, may well have injured himself doing that submission, but he got oh, the win to, nevertheless. Look at that. I didn't... Yeah. I, I know as he limped, I didn't... I didn't Noticed that it could have yeah, been from I the choke. Think but do you think? Possibly, yeah, leg position. No, he did. A, he was holding his leg up at the very start of the fight. Yes. Uh, I wonder whether he had like an injury going yeah, in. Yeah, that was my immediate thought when I saw him lifting it time and time again. I'm like, you know, maybe was you know, he that worried about leg kicks from from Pettis? That yeah, Pettis you know, Pettis normally lift. he kicks high, doesn't he? he kicks. Yeah. He does kick at the legs, but he's known to kick. You know, really good high kicks, really good body kicks. Um, I wouldn't have thought it would have warranted someone coming in up on one leg like that just because Pettis kicks a little bit. So whether yeah. he had sore shins from training camp, you know, because when you get a knock on your shin, they do linger and they're tender for a good number of weeks. You know, that could have been the case for him. Yeah, I could imagine. Mm. Um, next up was uh, Brian Kel- Keller versus uh, Odie Os- Osborne. Sorry. All right. Uh, yes. I, I, this one was pretty relatively quick. Um, it was over two minutes and 49 into the round one with via a guillotine choke. Um, right. it was, you know, it was, it was quick. Uh, there wasn't a great deal to it. The, the round began with uh, Osborne immediately swinging, uh, swinging away. Well, quite, no, I don't know if I'd say wildly, but the pretty, uh, he was swinging a uh, Keller, yeah. uh, Keller was attacking Osborne with some leg kicks. Um, Osborne was pushing forward. He attacked yep. Keller with the with the left, and Keller scored a takedown, which kind of yeah, yeah. that seemed to be the turning point just to get himself. Yeah, uh, well, this is relaxed. Those, this was one of those fights, you know, where you know he was an underdog. <clears throat> um, that Keller, you know, he was an underdog, but he's an experienced dude. He's had a lot of fights. He's been in there for nearly thirty matches. Um, and Odi, you know, he's only had what uh, ten matches, I think, at that point. He's eight and two, something like that. His record, and looked overconfident. Now, you know, every opponent's got the potential to to beat you, so you know, don't muck about with anyone. That's my suggestion. And um, I think he was a little overconfident, got a little bit too complacent, and uh, yeah, got we well, got defeated fairly easily. Um, absolute shocker. I think sometimes um, the fighters may look at the. Uh, you know, the ratings on being a favourite and underdog 
and think that's going to give them some kind of superpower while they're in there. It doesn't matter what the odds are. You know, you've still got to get in there and get the win. Um, and you've still got to get in there and avoid the loss. It looked like he was just overconfident, complacent, and um, yeah, paid the ultimate price. Yeah, I, I thought he, uh, he came in. He was clearly confident. He came in mm. swinging, um, which I thought played into Keller's hands because Keller, yeah. I thought Keller looked a little bit nervous at the start. Um, he yeah. kind of, uh, Osborne was swinging. Uh, mm. Keller was moving and he, and he hit him with some leg kicks. But then I thought as soon as Keller scored the takedown, um, mm-hmm. and got him into like a kind of seated position, and and from there I thought Keller just kind of clicked into you know doing what he does every day in training. Yeah, yeah, it looked instinctual. Once yes. he got got that first shoot, it, it was all instinctual, um, and, and looked you know looked impressive as he could be with what he had in front of him. Um, I mean, he's put, didn't put up a lot of a fight back to be fair. Um, once he got got to the positions that he's comfortable with. No, he got him in the, you know, he hit him with some ground and pound and then he uh, got him a uh, half guard and then Keller caught him in this guillotine choke. Really, yeah. I would, I'm not sure if out of nowhere is the right term mm. because I felt he was looking for it um, from yeah. the moment they got in the seated position, of the, you know, as soon as he took, got the takedown. Um, yeah. I thought Joe Rogan was interesting because he was saying about the the guillotine choke being yes he was yeah weird uh, from a different side to normal uh, yeah. with the arm. Could you give us kind of any more insight into that? What they meant what the, by that? What, what about the arm in guillotine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, initially, arm in guillotines you know can be a little harder to now. Mm. Um, can be a little bit harder to actually get the outright submission. I mean, if you ever get someone's neck clean without the arm in, it's totally on the neck. Um, but with that arm in position, it, it makes it particularly hard for uh, the guy to get out of it. So you, know, you can not only be potentially choked out, it's damn hard to get your posture back through from, from it. It's a very, very difficult situation. So you can kind of get stalled out a little bit there. But some of these guys that are you know, really strong in the arm, like Keller clearly is, he can put a lot of pressure on your neck and, and put you out. And he clearly knows he's good at it because he, he set it up from a top position. Now, as a general rule, I very rarely would say for my, my fighters to go for a guillotine and put themselves on the back from a top position. Yeah. But that said, it can occur strategically towards the latter part of a round. You know, it's a shot to nothing. You know, it's okay if you're winning the round convincingly anyway and you put yourself up on your back for the last minute because you've got mm. a chance at a submission. Okay, I'll go it. And that appeared to be what he thought. I think he thought, well, I've got this round. Um, I feel like I can take him down whenever I want. I'm going to have a punt at this arm in guillotine. Um, yeah, performed it very well. Yeah, he was looking for it, wasn't he? Um, you know, there's, there's some fighters who almost seem to specialise in, uh, in guillotine chokes. They, you know, they, it's their go-to uh, submission. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as someone who doesn't fight and never really done any sort of fighting or never done any fighting, you know, at a proper level, um, yeah. I can't imagine that it's very pleasant when someone locks in a, a guillotine choke properly, you know, and no. they've got the arm on the carotid artery and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it, it kind of doesn't matter what kind of athlete you are. Yeah. Um, if someone restricts your neck, you go asleep or you tap. They're the two choices you've got. Um, I think, you know, I think this is why, you know, Damian Myers hung in there so long. I mean, he's, he really shouldn't be in there when you no. consider his age. 
But the fact is, you know, he's getting behind these young, fit athletes. He gets on their back. Um, you got someone of Damien's level Scott getting level, on yeah. your back and, and putting a rear naked choke on. You have to tap or go asleep. <laughs> There's no two ways about it. Um, yeah, there's no third option, is there? Um, what was interesting to me is when he uh, put the guillotine choke on, mm. is uh, obviously uh, Osborne's arms were restricted and yeah. he tapped with his foot. Yes, he and did. You can yeah. actually see, and if you watch it again, if you, he taps, the ref doesn't see it because he's tapping with his foot, mm-hmm. which, uh, as far as I'm aware, the ref is supposed to look out for that. Um, yeah. And he taps, and then about five seconds later, he taps again very, very urgently. So he could yeah. obviously feel that he was going, uh, going out. And when yeah, the ref yeah, didn't yeah. see the first tap, he was very, very, uh, you could almost see like a, I don't want to say a panic, but like a urgency to his tap the second yeah. tap. I, actually, I, I, I think the, the ref was fairly quick on it, to be fair. I mean, it is a little bit unusual to see yeah. the foot kick down like that. Um, you know, uh, the, the position with, with the arm in, he had the arm caught by the legs. He had the other arm caught in the guillotine. So he had no hands to tap with. No. So you so have to do he, he did kick his foot down and he kicked it down damn quick. Um, yeah. But I, I thought the ref was fairly on it. Yeah, he was yeah. all right. Yeah. yeah he, as soon as you know, he let go, he didn't look like he was staggering about or anything. So, yeah, I, I think he tapped with plenty of time and it was stopped with plenty of time. It's fine. Okay. So, uh, so next up was uh, Alexi Olenek versus Morris Green. Uh, this was won by Olenek via submission armbar, uh, four minutes 38 into round two. Yeah. Uh, tell me about this fight because I right. really, really enjoyed this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just getting that one up now just to re- recap myself because, um, yeah, this one, this one was uh, surprisingly entertaining. I quite, enjoy- I quite enjoyed it. Obviously, um, you know, uh, Green being a massive man, six foot seven, and, um, you know, good, good striker. But look at the unusual body composition of uh, Alexi. He, you know, he's six foot two, but matches him almost in arm length. Eight, you know, eight, eighty inches. That's incredible. What, what a reach Crazy. for six foot two. Um, yeah, uh, it was really good. I mean, I I, I did think that uh, Green would have been on his feet a little bit, you know, longer than he was, um, being that he's so tall and rangy. Um, but he couldn't couldn't keep him off um, and he got he got taken down not with anything beautiful it was a little bit sloppy but he did what he always does and he got him down and I think he got on his back didn't he mm. um, just before he took him down he kept going for that hammerlock um, I, I hear Joe Rogan saying you know don't don't go for the arm don't go for the arm I mean mm. yeah yeah Joe, Joe's kind of on point with that to, to, to a certain aspect but you know he's obviously wanting the submission win as well and yeah, I enjoyed those. Um, I enjoyed those little exchanges. I'm actually watching it now, just recapping myself on it. Uh, yeah, a little bit smaller. What, what what I like about um, Alenix game is uh, it goes for like the old school, old school type um, scaffold positions yeah. and, and submissions. I think he was um, hanging on to him a little bit too long. Um, yeah, I, I think one of them he was holding for over a minute, really trying to crank up on him. Um, and if it ain't there in the first few seconds, you would think to let go and transition off. But maybe he felt that he, he had something there, but held it a little bit too long for my fancy there and maybe burnt out his arms a little bit. Yeah, he, I, what I enjoyed about this fight, uh, 
I really, really enjoyed actually was that Olinek was going for these uh, kind of scarf chokes, and then all of a sudden, uh, Green would, you know, sort of jolt up, and he would try and hit a submission of his own from from, yeah. from a defensive position. There was one where he nearly got a triangle on, and you yeah, could, yeah, it was. You could you could mm. see by how quick uh, Olinek pulled out of the triangle to how close it was to. to to get on, if you get what I mean, yeah, like he realised the danger he was in very quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Green's obviously improving his ground all the time. Um, you know, that was a little demonstration that he can be dangerous now off his back. Um, I think the fact that you know these these extremely long long legs of his, he's usually yeah. learning how to use them. He was snapping his hips left and right very well uh, as well. Um, so I think we're going to see him, you know, definitely evolve and and be more resilient in those ground situations. Um, just needs to improve on his range management. Shouldn't be allowing people. It's not like uh, Alan. It's got good footwork to be able to work it. No, all, no. all good striking to disguise his entry. You know, if he can't keep someone like that off him, um, you know, there's definitely issues to play regards his distance managing um, and his footwork to avoid that clinch. Um, we work a lot on um, anti wrestling aspects. He could do with a good old dose of that. Uh, I think this will make him a much more effective fighter, clearly improving his ground. We saw with that with the triangle attempts and the snappiness of his hips. But, you know, before you even hit the ground, it'd be good to show some kind of resilience. He didn't really show any true resilience for no. me in that clinch. Green was a little vulnerable. Yeah, he was. Yeah, it'd be um, it's strange, isn't it? Because you think someone who's six foot seven, six foot eight, or whatever he is, mm. um, you know, he would try and use their reach uh, and their striking to, to keep Olenek away a bit, particularly after yeah. that first round where sure. you know he got taken down and he was mm. he spent a lot of time on his back or on the floor. Yeah. Um and he didn't you know, maybe we maybe I give I don't give Olenek enough credit for the way he performed, but uh, it just felt like uh, Green could have done a bit more to to try and keep it on the feet or to try and defend himself using his reach and his yeah. size advantage. He seemed to end yeah. up against the cage wall uh, a couple of times too easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, w- I would like to have seen um, some some proper footwork where he's maybe trying to stick behind a jab a little bit. Um, when he did do striking, he kind of went in with flurries, which is all well and good. But you know, he could have just made an easier night's work for himself. Stick behind the jab, build off that jab, um, and just wear this guy out. The guy's 42 years old. and. Yeah. and Clearly had a bit of cardio issue. He looked dead on his feet at one point. Um, I think he should have picked Olenek apart with a simple jab, built off that. Once the jab stopped the effectiveness of that potential clinch, start landing in with the cross hands and the kicks and break him up. I really think uh, strategically it was a mess. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree there. Green's the better fighter at the two. Um, but he allowed him to play to his strengths just too much. Um, yeah, just uh, that, that's the main fault, I would say, for Green there. And a lesson for him to, to have improved your distance management so you can put a strategy in place against these people who want to get old of you and drag you to the ground like he was. Yeah, it's interesting you say there about uh, he looked dead on his feet you know, mm. in the second round because you feel, do feel as if, if Green had been able to take him deep into the third round, he really would have struggled with his cardio and he would have gassed out. Yeah, I think even Green with that really bad strategy that 
he was showing in the first two rounds. I think uh, Olenek would have been so far gone regards his cardio deficit. Um, I, I don't think he would have got through a third round. No. But, I, you know, before the fight, Danny, though, yeah. did you, I expected Green to come in and do exactly what you just said. You know, yeah. work from behind his jab and avoid, try to avoid the, the you know, the shoot or the takedown at yeah. all costs. Um, yeah. And that's why I was expecting going in, you know, the size of him and everything. Um, and I was, I was disappointed. Not that he got taken down because, you know, uh, Olenek is a great grappler and wrestler. Yeah. You know, he, he's got the skills to, to, you know, that's why he's still going at 42. Yeah. Um, I was disappointed with the ease that he was moving and shooting mm. this, this six foot yeah, eight uh, guy down to the floor. And yeah, I mean, you can't even say it was a shoot. He sort of like, yeah, stumbled his way yeah, into the clinch. There was nothing fast it. about what he did. His, his hands weren't dangerously fast as on the, went in with his hands to, to blind the entry. Even he sort of just stumbled his way in. Um, yeah, that was a little bit of sloppy sloppiness on, on part of green. You know, if the camp's smart, they'll they'll put put that right. very clear wrong right. Um, yeah, it's just a disappointing cage work. I don't want to be too hard on him because yeah, he's yeah, some good things. Um, I just think he's better than he showed tonight. I, I, I that night, sorry. Um, yeah, 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 I agree. I agree. Uh, if yeah, I mean, if you step back and look at the situation, you're up against a 42 year old man who's um, truly a one-trick pony. Yeah, he can throw big hands, but there's nothing, nothing magical about the way on and it sets up his strikes. Um, he really had nothing much to worry about if he just played behind the fact that he's six foot seven with a, a huge reach. Sit behind your jab, man, and, and work your footwork and build off of that. It just wasn't, shouldn't have been hard work. There's a, there's a famous saying in uh, in the wrestling world like WWE and all this sort of thing mm. and they say um, to make the characters better they hide the negatives and accentuate the positives yeah and you know that that could go into into fighting very easily um, yeah. and you know Green didn't do that should we say yeah definitely not no, so um, to, to, things to be like there but I'm sure we'll see a better Green next time around because of this performance I'm sure how old is Green? Um, uh, I'll look now. Right now. I don't, I don't think he's, uh, you know, he's not old, is he? Yeah, no, I don't think so. I'm just going to check. Make sure you got it on here because I'm, I'm curious. I think he, he is, is a big, old. big dude, though, isn't he? Oh, he's man. A massive dude. Absolutely big. He's 33. Uh, Which, he's, a bit, he's a bit older than I thought, but I mean, these yeah, days, that's not... That's not, um, that's not over the hill by any stretch at that weight division. No, um, no. Yeah. He's, he's got some attributes which could be useful. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so next up was uh, the fight which disappointed me the most um, in terms of I was really looking forward to watching it and I was disappointed, really disappointed with how it went. Uh, it was Holly Holm, ranked number three, versus yep. uh, Raquel Pennington, who was ranked number five. It was the co-main right. ev- co event. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, what was it? Holly Holm won by unanimous decision. Yes. Uh, and it just it wasn't good to watch, I've got to be honest. I didn't okay. enjoy. But you go on, yep. you, you talked me through the, yeah, the I, technical I aspect absolute, of it. Yeah, I can absolutely see why you, you know, 
didn't enjoy watching it. It was a, a clinch fest. Mm. But, um, you know, Holly Holmes is obviously a really gifted uh, kickboxer. Yeah. And we know uh, Penton's got really good hands. Um, so we thought we were going to see a bit of a strike match. Um, but it seems Holly Holmes didn't, really didn't want to have anything to do with trading hands too much. So she was using that coming trademark lead leg attack, isn't it? She, she likes to stamp towards that knee with a sidekick. Which yeah, it could be a, be effective, but we didn't see her going with the hands hardly at all. She was she was fainting with the hands, almost you know trying to avoid Pennington to come in. But then the clinch happened. Um, you know we have seen Holly Holmes clinch more in recent fights. She's obviously becoming more versed in there. But like she said in the interview afterwards, which I think was a clue to why it happened, she felt good there and felt like she was getting success there, and it felt easy there. So you know why why break the habit of a good thing um yeah i don't think that's how our training camp was designed i think they train obviously for the clinch uh, to prepare her you know to stay on her feet predominantly as she normally would against most people um so she's obviously becoming comfortable there she ended up there by chance and and chose to keep going back there but the weird thing was pennington would take it there as well um, so, yeah, it was not to be expected, um, the, the way the fight went between them both. And I can understand why fans were disappointed. In fact, I did hear the crowd begin to boo in the second round and the third round every time it clinched up. Me, as an MMAist, um, I'm particularly fascinated by the cage wrestling. And um, so I, I kind of enjoyed watching it yeah. um, for that point. And I mean, it wasn't a fight. It wasn't scrappy. It wasn't a, a technical uh, strike fest. But I did enjoy seeing the tussle up against the fence personally. <laughs> yeah. But I know it's not going to be uh, great for um, inducing fan factors. Um, so, but I was impressed with Holmes' clinch game. Um, much improved. Yeah, you could tell she's uh, become a lot more comfortable there and a bit more versatile with her skills uh, from like a year or two back. Um, yeah. Like, I don't mind, uh, you know like a, a fight which is a lot of grappling and wrestling and 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 work on the ground i find it interesting and and yeah. quite fascinating particularly when you've got you know people trying to set each other up on the ground as they as they're moving through sure. you know different things but this just felt like i don't want to say anti-climax because that feels like i'm being disrespectful to the to the to the fighters and that's yeah. not my intention Mm-hmm. But I was looking forward to this, like you said, like a bit of a strike fest. Yes. Um, you've got a top-level kickboxer, you've got a good boxer, and you're thinking, yeah. this is it, this is going to be it. They're just going to bang for three yeah. rounds, and whoever can nail that clean shot. Yes, I, I, I thought I was going to see the same. I absolutely thought I was going to see the same. Um, I knew we'd see some kind of clinching going on as yeah, they traded, but never this much. Um, but you know, just to sort of like educate you a little bit on, on yeah. why I found it a, a good thing to watch. Um, Holmes was holding around the waist instead of up high. She was controlling the waist, which is the center part of the body. She was using her head position very well, which controlled the higher aspect um, of the control. Um, okay. The only thing that she could have added in, which I would have thought was better, because she was putting both feet out to apply weight with her head position to create the pinning effect um, so she could chip away. But she had actually really good fundamental setups there for leg on leg takedowns. So she would have had control of the head relatively good control of the waist with the waist hold with that right arm that she had. And she could have done some leg on leg attacks, not in the terms of striking in terms of inside and outside trips, back take attempts. Um, and I think then you would have had a different fight because it perhaps would have got 
chances for Pennington to break free as she attempted the takedowns attempts. And um, maybe we would have seen Holly Holmes on top trying to be effective with some ground and pound, which would have made it all the more visual. But she didn't really want the takedown, it seems. She was wanting the clinch merely to try to beat her up against the fence, a little bit like Randy Couture used to do, which I think Joe Rogan may have mentioned about in that fight, I think it was. Um, you know, um, it, or it may have been another one. Forgive me if I'm wrong. But um, Joe Rogan did make a statement about Randy Couture. We mustn't yeah. forget, Randy Couture um, didn't always want to put you down on your back. He would no. literally hold you against the fence and, and beat you up there. Um, yeah, yeah, it was kind of like she was doing a bit of that. Do you think, um, I think Raquel Pennington's uh, team, maybe they could have kind of instructed her or encouraged her to, to be a bit more strike heavy and, and try and get away from the clinch because I don't think it was doing her any favours. I thought she could have um, gone for those night. I thought she could have gone a bit kind of dirty boxing, if you like, uh, yeah. when she was in those clinches. I felt like she didn't, she didn't try and hit those strikes you know, while she was in the clinch enough yeah. to maybe yeah, yeah. to maybe try and put home off constantly going for that clinch. Yeah. She could have tried to nail some shots close in. But sure, then sure. she seemed happy to go into the clinch, which didn't really yeah, make yeah. sense. Yeah, and that's, that's, again, really, I think some of the strategies that we saw in play um, with numerous of the fights that night were, you know, left us all scratching our heads a little bit. Whether the cornermans were trying to put them right in between rounds and the fighters were listening, whether you know the, the the cornermen were caught up in the moment and and missed the strategical errors, but yeah, you're right. Pennington was going back into the the clinch game where she wasn't having much success. Although she did adapt and change her game a little bit, she started trying to get success with the tie clinch, didn't she? Yeah, and um, started hurting Holly with a few knees. And I thought, oh, maybe we're going to see a little bit of a turnaround. But the reason why Pennington couldn't um, do anything regards punching. Um, back was the fact that she was having her head pinned by Holly Holmes's head. Yeah. Now, generally, if your your head's being pinned, you've got to remove that head pressure. If you can remove that head pressure, you're going to have a bit more leverage behind your clinch punching, um, and you take some of the pinning effect off. You've got more chance of doing a body to body turn, um, which you did see. You saw a couple of turns, and if you notice, whenever they do the turns, their head position is no longer head to head. Their heads become on each other's shoulder. Um, so. For Pennington, she could have got a much more better chance of um, having offensive striking in that clinch by removing the head pressure and in turn, turning um, Holly Holmes against the fence uh, a lot more often, at least making it more close. Um, so, yeah, some lessons to be learned um, for, well, for both of them, really. I don't think Holly Holmes was very happy of her performance either. Um, I think she could have been more effective than she was. Yeah, I think she felt like she'd done enough to win, but maybe... Yeah hadn't been at her high level that she you know mm. expects of herself um yeah. it was scored 29 28 30 27 30 27 yeah um, would you have said that was about right about right yeah 30, about 20, right i think yeah. 30 27 was probably a fair yeah. score to be honest because absolutely yeah you know i um, didn't think pennington did enough to no. to to get close really no, she, she did well um, in the latter half of the second round. She started scoring some of those mm. knees. And like I say, I thought we were going to see a bit of a turnaround, but the clinch really quickly ensued again. And, um, and we began to see a pattern, which we quite often do with fights. Once, uh, once patterns are fitted in, that seems yeah. to be the way it goes for the rest of the match. And how diff- how difficult is it for a fighter in the moment to, to, to break patterns as they develop in fights? 
and uh, do, well, do something completely different. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you get different fight IQs. So someone like GSP, it, it, you know, if for whatever reason something wasn't going quite his own way, he would definitely adapt himself naturally. He's a very intelligent fighter. And also having a really intelligent camp, but no, uh, uh, you know, corner team. But no matter how smart your corner team, the fighter's got to respond to what you suggest to them. Yeah. And, and, and that's hard for me to, to gauge on whether that's why some of the issues were happening. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I can only give my perspective. You know, if course, I was yeah, Pennington, I would have been saying, get that head out of position. You can use your hand, shift it off. Don't let the head pin you. Um, that, that, that'll give you much better chance of trying to turn yourself off the cage and put in Holly Holm against the cage and open up some chance for some uh, counter-striking in that clinch. But as, what, of the whole time your head's pinned like that, you're going to be the one receiving those annoying little hits, which ain't damaging, but they're scoring nevertheless. And every second that goes by where you're back against that fence while your head's pinned like that, you're losing that round. Indeed. Um, so as we move on to the main event, obviously we saw in the main event as well that you can do damage from the clinch, even if your arms are uh, yeah. pinned. Uh, yeah. So the main, main event was uh, yep. welterweight. It was uh, Conor McGregor versus yep. Donald Cerrone. Yep. Conor McGregor's first fight for well over a year. Mm-hmm. Well, wow. What a return. Yeah, what a return. Um when I, I, I liked listening to, um, you could go on YouTube and, and watch everyone's take on how they thought the fight was going to go, you know, course, all the yeah. other UFC fighters. And um, as much as you did have people, you know, for Cerrone and you had people for Connor, um, all for the obvious reasons, Connor faster, Cerrone having a better cardio, being the bigger man. There was just as many, if not more, that sat on the fence and said, I just don't know. Yeah. And, you know, push comes to shove. I didn't know. Um, I remember you really pushed me on it. Um, yeah, I did. Yeah. And I went, and just because it was at 170 pounds, I just thought, well, Connor's got to put him away. Can he put him away? Yeah, he can. Um, but I wouldn't want to know that that's what I had to do to win a fight. I have to finish him. Um, I think it'd be nice to know that you can just uh, get ahead and stay ahead and know that you can win through the whole duration of the fight. Um, but Connor is what Connor does, does, but he was so creative in that clinch. Whether he trains to do that or not, it appears that he does because um, he rolled his shoulder up first um, and then he jumped it. He jumped the shoulder in and broke Cerrone's nose. I mean, what great creative um, uh, thing to do and, and to such effect. I think that was the start of the, the tumbling of Cerrone in the fight. He broke his nose. That makes you not want to engage. Um, he threw the head kick, which is becoming a bit signature for Cerrone. Um, but obviously, Connor, you know, expected that it was there to cover. Five back with his own head kick. Um, Cerrone's arm had left his face a little bit too far. If you look at the slow mo, you know, uh, Cerrone's got a tie boxing background, and they can have their arms a little bit away from their head. His arm come away from his head, and that foot reached round, didn't it? He, he, he caught some of the shin on his arm, but the arm was to no blocking effect. No. And, then he and that started a process then, uh, that early against a fresh Conor McGregor, that accurate and that much heavier now. Ooh, bad combination. Bad combination. Yeah, I think it couldn't have gone any better for, for uh, McGregor unless he had done what he did to Aldo, really. That was the only uh, way it yeah. was going to be better. Yeah. But, um, you know, this is, I said to you off air at the start, 
this is the Conor McGregor that everybody wanted to see fight Khabib, the the yeah. aggressive, the the creative Conor McGregor. Like you know, over the years we've seen Conor McGregor do some incredibly creative things. Mm. Um, you know, in how he fights and how he yeah. how he goes up against different opponents and comes up with ways to set them up or to beat them or to to do things. And like that, those shoulder strikes, they they. In some ways, to me, they're more incredible than the 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 head kick, which ended up flooring him because yep. he broke his nose and rattled. You know, a fighter of Donald Cerrone's experience, quality. Yeah. You know, Donald Cerrone's a Hall of Famer, a UFC yep. Hall of Famer. Absolutely, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, he um he's on the back of a couple of losses, but he before that he was on a winning streak. He um, was. He was on a tear. Is, you know, he's no slouch. He's perfectly capable of. Of you know beating Conor McGregor on any given day if he yep. is you know his things go his way, uh, so for him to rattle him the way he did with a shoulder mm. in the clinch or yep. three I think it was three but it was the one where he kind of jumped into it didn't he yep. and he broke his nose um, and then he just followed it up and the head kick rattled him knocked him down yeah yeah like a flying knee then which caught him I think on the side of the jaw yeah um, and I thought actually that probably did more to disorientate him than the kick did in a strange yeah, sort of yeah. way. Yeah, I'm in total agreement with you. I think the spark that set off the fire was the, the, those shoulder strikes. I think it broke his nose. Now, if anyone's had their nose broke, you can, you, you can break it in a good way and a bad way. But being broken with emotion coming up, that, that ain't a comfortable mm. experience. I've had mine done that way, uh, and it ain't nice. Um, so, you know, that, that's going to hurt, and that's going to disorientate you. Um, that was certainly more impressive than just a simple old head kick. Yeah, <laughs> um, seen them all the time. Yeah, because it was creative, it was different, and it was a way of Connor utilizing the fact that he was going to give away size in terms of height. He was uh, considerably shorter than uh, Sharoni, so he had that space between his shoulder and Sharoni's head. Sharoni notoriously stands tall, whether he's in striking or clinch, so there was that gap there. And he created that extra little space with this first little shoulder butt, and as his head come up, he then closed that distance with the complete body jump with the shoulder. I mean, whether it's an instinctual thing, a pre-planned training thing, I don't know. But he seems to come up with answers and, um, and things that people don't expect. Shroni even said himself afterwards, you know, he caught me with something and it hurt me. It broke my nose. I was a bit shocked. Um, he caught him all unawares. Um, well done, Connor. I'm glad he's back. I mean, out of the two... I'm a big, massive fan of both. But for a fan's perspective, I know we could potentially see a lot more interesting matchups with Connor than we could with Cerrone. Cerrone's been in there and done it with so many great people. He'll always have a great following and great interest seeing who he fights. But like you know, you've said with the numbers that Connor draws, it would be more interesting. And he's young enough to still have um, a good few years in it if he wishes to. I know he's going to have one solid year. I'd like to see him have more than that. If this, uh, if this 2020 is as successful as I'm, I'm hoping it's going to be for him. I want to see him back in contention. I want to see him fight the Fergusons. and I, want, I would like to see him fight Khabib again at some point. Just not right now. I want to see him fight Mazdavel. I mean, that, I think that will be huge. I think that would break uh, record seeing him fight Mazdavel. For that yeah, bad well, belt, why not? If you think uh, you've got the Mazdavel fight, you've got the, mm. the, um, the Diaz trilogy fight you've got yeah. the Khabib fight 
You know, that's yeah. three fights which are unbelievable straight yeah. away off the bat without even, you know, thinking about anyone else. Um, yeah. I saw someone say yesterday on social media that they would like to see him fight Gaethje now, um, you know, in the in the, in sort of the next month or two. Okay. Then, because yeah. I think they want to do uh, Masvidal versus someone else. I can't remember who it was. Usman, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. Um, so basically, it was implying that if Ferguson obviously fights Khabib, uh, in the next, I think it's next month, is it? Or the month after? Yeah. Um, and then you have Masvidal fights someone else. There's like a period of time where Connor could get another fight in. So rather than yeah. him waiting for one of those two, have him fight yeah. Gaethje and yeah, then, yeah. That, then fight yeah, Khabib. Yeah. And I know Connor said he would like to fight four times this year. So I yeah, mean, yeah. He could, you know, realistically... If he- if he's getting quick wins like that, there's you could see him fight again in a matter of weeks. Uh, it could be six weeks. You could be seeing this this guy fight again. Um, it's obviously down to the fact that you know you just got to get a willing opponent. But I think most will be willing because they know they're going to get a damn good payday out of it. And they're all fighters. They're not going to be running scared. They know he's beatable for one. They know they're going to get a massive payday too. It's a win-win for any opponent that faces him. Yeah. So one of the questions that we had was. Um... Who should the UFC put McGregor in next? So yeah, if he stays at one seventy, if you were booking it, who would you do next? Yeah, Masvidal. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say that. Uh, and I, would, I, I, a welterweight. Yeah, uh, the, you know he's just had this huge success. Um, yeah, let's let's see him do that one. I think that'll create a lot of interest. Really who wins? I don't know. I was wrong when when I was pushed, wasn't I? Uh, going against Connor, he's just hard hard to bet against. But Masvidal um, to me has got more tools overall. Oh my God, do I go against him again? No, no, no. Um, you know what? I I think Connor getting that win is going to make him confident. I, I'm going to say he's going to nail Masvidal. I'm going to go Connor McGregor this time. Good shout, good shout. Yeah. I um I got to say, I've I've always said this is if Conor McGregor is fit, healthy and motivated, I will never bet against him. He's hard to bet against, isn't he? Just hard because to Because he against. has always gone against the grain. He's always gone against what you think. When you th- yeah. when he's come up against fighters, they said it about Eddie Alvarez. They said it about Aldo. They said, oh, he's coming up mm-hmm. against a real wrestler now. Or Chad, even Chad Mendes. It was like yeah. when he comes up against a real wrestler or a, a real star or a real fighter, mm. these guys they'll take him apart. They'll they'll yeah, show yeah. him that he's he's just a you know he's just a good left hand. And every time he would you know just destroy those three, you know those mm. three in particular, he just decimated. He did. Um, and yeah. Conor McGregor is good for MMA because. You look at the the buzz around MMA generally now after last mm-hmm. night compared to what it was just before Christmas. Yeah, so even with that big show that you had, you you know UFC two four five, fantastic show, loaded card. There yeah. was a lot of hype, but it's not yeah. the same without Conor McGregor. Yeah, at the top of his game. Yeah, I think um, I don't. Know, it's like a it's it's like having a party without that. That, that guy there that's the soul of the party, yeah. if you know what I mean. It'll still be a party nevertheless, and people still be laughing and, and having a good time. But, you know, Connor is the heart and soul of the here and now at the moment. And 
that time that he had absence, it did leave a little bit of a hole um, regards to the attention uh, for USC. It's still great matchup, still a great party. But when Connor's there, it's a little bit better, don't you think? Oh, I yeah. certainly think so. It, I do as well. I would. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Really, I want him to fight again. <laughs> yeah, just me too. I want to see him. It's just good, isn't it? And um, you know, I do hope that he has more success because um, it's just uh, it's just so interesting. There's so many interesting matchups. Uh, I, I want to see him against other good strikers, and um, he's predominantly done extremely well. Um, you know, maybe a little bit later down the line, see him face another another wrestler who's potentially going to try and spoil the highlight reel that we're getting from him. But um, I'm happy with what I've seen. Um, I, I, I'm really excited uh, for his future for 2020. I just hope we see him back really, really soon because he's fit and healthy. It will keep him in camp, and I think he'll have a, um, a roll off of the success. Yeah, I think the best thing for everyone concerned is to keep him uh, ready to fight, and almost uh, like the worst thing that he could do is have another year off, isn't it? Like you want to yeah. see, he needs to fight right, like two or three times this year. Oh yeah, um, I, and I, I, I think he's going to be committed to a 2020. That's what he's talking about, and 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 he feels he seems hell bent on having a season for 2020. Yeah, he's going to be working hard this year. I have no doubt about it. Um, I just don't want there to be. Um, uh, um, any kind of gap in between his camps um, for him to get up to any mischief. <laughs> because uh, Yeah. Well, he, uh, did say, he did say he was going to have a party, you know, last night, and then he was yeah. going straight back into camp on Monday morning. Yeah, I think that's a good call. And <clears throat> hopefully we are going to see a more mature Connor. We do seem to be with the interviews. He was out of the limelight a little bit more in terms of the amount of um, interviews and that he, that he was doing leading up to the fight. But every time I heard him speak, it was a, um, it was a, a mature Connor. Yeah, um, a more realistic Connor. He has said yeah. uh, he absolutely doesn't think Ferguson and Khabib will happen again. Obviously, yeah. it's been it's been arranged. I think it's four times and Ooh, four, yeah. four four times has fallen through. And he yeah. has said that he will stay within weight. He'll be prepared. He'll be in camp. So when it falls through, he can take it. Yeah. Um, and why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you have Conor McGregor waiting there to? Yeah. Normally. Yeah, I mean, Normally, if they've got a backup, they have that person in mm. a fight on the, you know, on the card, yeah. so that they can just then rearrange the card a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, well, why, uh, why wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. And um, it's not like that they've got to uh, uh, go through big negotiations regards money because he's got no. loads of it. So that's no. not going to be. Uh, um, I'm sure he'll still force the, <laughs> the fact that he'll want a good payday. He's going to get a good payday no matter what. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah fair play to him. I mean, this guy does seem absolutely fearless. He always wants to face the best, and he's always pretty gracious in defeat. When he gets defeated, he accepts yep. it. Um, you can't say that he don't put. Um, you can't say that he puts an excuse to any of his losses. Um, you can't say he dodges fights. He wants the hardest ones, and and for that fact, I really respect the guy. Um, you know, and, and you'll hear me repeat. I, I've not been a fan of his ta- uh, antics outside. But putting all that aside, looking at him as an MMA entity, he's been awesome for the sport. All the fighters, I think, are getting paid more because of him. Yeah. Um, I think UFC is being watched on an unprecedented scale because of him. Um, yeah, he's just good all round for the sport. Absolutely is. Spot on, mate. Um, yeah. So let's finish off with a couple of questions. <laughs> Um, 
In Dana's uh, post-UFC 246 presser, he was asked whether Conor McGregor could fight in the UK, maybe yep. Wembley or the Millennium Stadium. Uh, from the British MMA point of view, how big would uh, Conor McGregor fight oh, in either of these venues? Absolute good call. I think this will be really, really good. Um, obviously, we're just a, a step away from Ireland, so we'll have them all come over. It's going to be successful. No, no matter where you do it, you could do it at Timbuktu, it'd be successful. But to do it so close to Ireland, it's going to be huge. Yeah, get, get it done in England. I think that'd be great. I'll be there. I have to say, um, the if they did Conor McGregor in the Millennium Stadium in Cardiff, that would be incredible. Oh, yeah. Incredible stadium. Really, and, really uh, good. I would love that. But um, yeah. I just wonder whether if they're going to do it, they'd end up doing it in Dublin just because he's Irish. Yeah, you would think that that would make sense that they'd do it and it'd become essential to do it. But of course, it'd be great if they'd do it in the UK. It really would. Yeah, Wembley or the Millennium Stadium, both yeah. would be incredible. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, I think it's Gaz Aster. How good is Modestus now uh, going into his first year in the UFC? And how good can he be in the years to come with hard work? Yeah. Okay. So... Uh, Modestus is um, he's got a lot of improving to do but that being said don't take that to be that he's suddenly like um, you know easy to beat now I'm just saying to any fighter if you want to beat him you have to beat him now because in a few years he's going to be that standout that you will not be beating the guy improves almost on a weekly basis Um, I've never seen someone so hungry he turns up to uh, my classes um, uh, in, in Northampton um, he travels all the way up from London to, to do it, even leading right up just before Christmas when the classes were dying down. There was hardly anyone up there. He still wanted to come up and do drilling. He still wanted to come up and ask me questions. Um, the kid is a sponge. Uh, the, he, he's asking so many questions. He's almost an irritant to me there. But mm-hmm. I really don't mean that. But um, just to put things in perspective, he's hungry to learn. And, um, and he always wants to put things in play. He, he knows how to train smart. You know, this guy can put a lot of guys out in sparring, um, but he'll tone down on his power. He'll play with the new aspects. He'll put himself in weaker positions while he's sparring his MMA, or, you know, he'll look for the takedowns, which is not what you've seen of him yet. But trust me, this kid can wrestle already. Trust me, this kid can, can grapple already. You just haven't had the chance to even see it yet because at the minute he's putting everyone away on his feet. There will be times you'll be seeing him take people down and choose to submit him. You will be saying times where he'd be putting people down and ground a pound in them. Um, he'll choose where he wants to put it. Or he'll leave it to the opponent to decide where he wants to put it, and he'll just beat them wherever they choose it as mm-hmm. well. He's going to be all-rounded. I think he's going to be the next big thing. Spot on. I'm going to cut that and put it as a little clip, because uh, that was good. But yeah. Um, uh, so Johnny asks, uh, what's your views on Welsh fighter Jack Shaw, uh, is he a future champion or just a solid fighter? Well, but I think both of those potentially. He's definitely a solid fighter. Um, I, yeah, I think there's exciting times for this guy. I think he's doing doing really, really well. Um, yeah, he's he's still unbeaten, right? So yeah. he's got to be doing something right. World, world 12 and 0, I think he is. Is it 12 and 0 years now? Uh, yeah, I think so. I'll have to double yeah, check. He's that. racking them up. He's doing well. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's coming to the UFC. His um, UFC debut was super impressive. Yeah. You know, and he beat, you know, obviously 
your first fight to the UFC, they're not going to give you, you know, uh, a Conor McGregor or a, or a, you know, Henry Cejudo or whoever. They're not going to give you the top guy. You have got to work your way up, and you got to yeah, absolutely. You do so it. Sure. But you can only beat who's in front of you. And yeah, for his Jack Shaw's debut in the UFC, he pretty much destroyed his opponent. He couldn't have done much <laughs> more. No. Uh, and I'll be interested to see because from everything which I know of him and from watching him and everything from people I've spoken to um, and even what Dana White said, you know, how many people do you see uh, signed for the UFC as like young guys yeah. and Dana White say that they're basically the next big thing and they're the, yeah. you know, the big next big huge star from the UFC, uh, from the UK. He yeah. doesn't, he doesn't really talk about these guys when they first yeah, yeah. Um, that's right it's true yeah Dana White yeah, yeah. I know Dana White does always speak his mind and he always speaks truthfully and honestly but you don't hear him very often talk so highly of someone um, off no. the cuff um, he clearly sees some talent in this kid Dana White's been around it for a long long time he knows his he knows his stuff and um, I think when he says something about a fighter such as he said about Jack Shaw People should sit up and listen. I think he's um, he's not wrong. I think he's onto something, and um, we are going to see bigger things from him. Yeah, I think so. I hope so as well. I want to see these yeah. guys. There's a group of British fighters at the moment who are coming up, who uh, could do something special. You know, in the biggest companies in the world. Yeah, but the likes of Jack and Tom, and Modestus and and uh, Paddy the uh, Paddy Pimblett and yeah, you know, all these guys can really do something special for the British MMA scene Yeah, uh, in, in the biggest companies in the world, I think. I really believe yeah, yeah. that. Oh, UK are on the, on the world map uh, regards producing talent. Um, we're seeing it time and time again now. Before it used to be the odd one here and there, but we're, we're breaking through on the mainstream uh, on a real regular basis now. We're up there. We're, we're contenders. Yeah, definitely. Um, with this uh, question kind of goes into what we're doing. So next week, we're doing another show uh, right. where we're going to be talking about uh, the UFC Fight Night card from next Saturday, uh, where Brett Johns is fighting. And there's a couple of other um, quite good fights, actually. But the main reason <clears throat> I wanted to cover it is because obviously Brett's been on the show. He's yeah. a Welsh fighter, a British fighter. So we wanted to, to watch the UFC card and, you know, we'll cover right. it as we do these. Um, yep. So the question is from Johnny, who is also Welsh. He says, Brett Johns, has he said himself uh, that he's fighting for his UFC job next week um, yeah. after a couple of losses? Mm -hmm. If he wins, uh, how far could he go and who would you pair him up with? Yeah, to say how far he'd go, that's a real hard one, isn't it? To, yeah, of course. To it's a fight say game. when he's had such a uh, difficult start in UFC. Um I think we haven't seen his potential, unfortunately. Um, and he's got a difficult opponent as well. I mean, the, the guy's on a several fight win streak. How many is he? I've got his record down on He's got one, 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 two, three, four, five. He's got five or six, six wins in a row recently. Um, you know, his opponent. Uh, no messing. Yeah. Uh, not in easy. But, you know, is he capable of winning? Yeah, I think Brett Johns is absolutely capable of winning. Um, you know, I, I don't know, you know, really what's the issue on why he's got those two. It's not exactly lost against, uh, you know, people who are useless by any stretch. They're no. a damn good, damn good opponent. He's not had an easy run of it. Um, 
I think the good thing that he can take from uh, from this next fight is that you know if he does feel that this is going to be the make or break, it's not to be tentative. It's to if you're going to go out of USC, go out with fight of the night or something, yeah, <laughs> even yeah. if you lose. Um, I think he should give it his all, and I think that might be the case that you'll see him um, take the win over this guy. Yeah, I kind of think um, not just with Brett, but with 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 anyone really is that if you in that position where you've got nothing to lose, that can be a benefit because suddenly you you lose all those um, kind of emotions and feelings of not doubt necessarily, but like mm. confliction where you're not sure whether you know you should play it safe and just do your thing and and see what, you know see how the fight develops or or yeah. you know this that just different aspects of it almost overthink it whereas yeah. if you if you're in this position where you've kind of got nothing to lose or you feel like you've got nothing to lose then you just go in and do your thing and you know go for it and like you say go out swinging go out on your shield almost isn't it and then yeah yeah make sure you i think the biggest thing is don't have any regrets don't finish the fight after three rounds lose on decision yeah. and feel like oh I, I should have done this or I should have done that don't have any yeah. regret don't have any regrets yeah. you know you're right yeah you're absolutely right I think the worst thing that he can do is to put himself under pressure and then try to do everything yeah right if you know what I mean um, I think rather than try to do everything right I think is to push a pace to push a, a strategy that's going to create imperfections in your opponent's game to kind of overwhelm him override him without being ridiculous you know you 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 wouldn't go out and sprint you know sprint your first 400 meters of a marathon race i'm not saying do that by any stretch but certainly um you know get yourself in a certain condition to be explosive and to hit this guy's many difficult uh, um, technical aspects of your game um in flurries to try to force an error in the game uh, I think if he does this, he stands a chance. But if he tries to be sure-footed, yeah, it, it, it could go against him. Yeah, so get in there and, and fight like it might be your last ever fight. Give it his all. Indeed. Um, yeah. So, that is the show. We will be yep. back next week to review uh, UFC Fight Night uh, 166. Featuring Brett Johns as many as well as many other fights, mm-hmm. and uh, myself and Danny will be back to cover that. Um, Danny does not have a Twitter, so you cannot follow him there. <laughs> but you can follow me on Twitter at AceCast underscore Nation, and please go to YouTube, subscribe to the channel, click the bell so you get notified every time we upload new content, new shows. Uh, that's the, the the best and most direct way to to support us at the moment. Uh, you can also get audio versions at iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, basically everywhere you can get podcasts. And uh, facebook.com slash acecastnation. Uh, if you're interested in MMA training, check out uh, Danny's gym, which is the BST gym, uh, BST Academy. I do apologize. It's bstacademy.co.uk for the website. And uh, obviously check out our sponsors, Away Day Apparel. Uh, for your clothing needs and uh, the code will be in the description for the episode. Uh, Danny, anything you want to add before we leave? 
Uh, no, other than a big thank you, Sai. Um, this is always a pleasure for me to talk about something that I'm so passionate about. It's my job. It, it's it, it's my love. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you for the opportunity just to be able to, to talk talk about it. We created a good friendship between us as well. So I'm, I'm always happy to add to my friends list. And um, I'll see everyone next time around, which is next week. Yeah. Thank you, Danny. Pleasure's all mine. And uh, guys, we'll see you next week. Podcast Network.